NPR's Top Pros Talk, Thought Leadership in the B2B Market, featuring Ben Laws, Deputy U.S. Lead for the Business Marketing Practice at Edelman. And here's your host, Doug Simon. I'm a fan of the great research that Edelman does, and our guest on this show has some really great insights about thought leadership in the B2B market. Can you tell us what your study was about? It's probably been about five years ago. We got a lot of questions from CMOs and our clients about the value of thought leadership. And it's something that we all sort of intrinsically know is a necessary part of the marketing and the communications toolkit. But it was something when we looked out there, there wasn't any hard data on what's the ROI. So we set out to do that. We've been working with LinkedIn for the past five years to put out an annual report and some pulses along the way during the years just to examine that link. What is the link between thought leadership and changing perceptions, building brand, contributing to hard business ROI? And that's what the study is all about. Yeah. So what was your key takeaway as we head into 2023? If you look at this period right now of uncertainty, companies are really, it's harder than ever to break through for um, you know, an organization trying to sell to a B2B buyer. And that's for a few reasons. Uh, one is just companies are anticipating that there's going to be a recession or otherwise the economy is going to slow a bit and they're seeing their procurement functions uh, put a lot of pressure on them, get a lot tighter. And they're making some hard choices uh, on budgets, hiring vendors. And you know we're pretty much looking specifically at if you're a vendor, what can you do to manage that pressure and you know help stay front of mind with these kind of B2B buyers? Yeah. So if you are a vendor or partner, as I like to call it, and that's a space that we're in, hopefully you're going to give some great thought leadership with this answer. How do you sort of navigate wanting to continue growth, but dealing with sort of this recession that everyone seems to want? I call it the invisible recession for now, but it might not stay invisible. What we see just based on the data is uh, 44% of business decision makers that we talk to. So these are people who, they aren't marketers, these are people who actually sign deals. Uh, what they've said is that um, they're personally going to be less receptive to uh, sales pitches and to marketing outreach. And what that tells us is if you're looking at that recessionary buyer, one, you're going to have a hard time getting in touch with them. But also, we hear from them is that the vendors they're going to keep are the ones that are viewed as absolutely critical. If you are a nice to have, so to speak, that's going to be something that's you know first looked at in terms of can we sever this? Can we you know achieve some savings here? The good news is that 91% of the same decision makers say that some of the non-critical providers can do something to stand out. And so what we're saying here is that in this environment, thought leadership is going to be especially important. You know, again, 91% of the decision makers said that non-critical suppliers are stand out with thought leadership. Um, and that's where we really think that despite the headwinds that we're facing, you know, as the economy, but also as marketers, using that thought leadership is something that can help you stand out. It's really stood out through all the five years that we've done this survey that thought leadership in the views of these business decision makers is something that's better than a product sheet, or it's better than talking about speeds and feeds at helping them assess what the value is at a bottom line level of a given vendor. There's so much there in what you just spoke about. I have a couple of questions about it. One is, 
does that imply if it's going to be tougher and people are more resistant to sales calls, does that mean you need to focus more of your efforts on maintaining the existing relationships and finding growth there versus trying to find new ones if they're more about sort of focusing on what they feel is most important? Could that be a possible strategy to consider? If you're a vendor and certainly, you know, in our own business, um, you're looking to companies that you have established relationships with where there's some understanding, there's some, you know, um, continuity of values provided over the years and just finding ways to actually add even more. And, you know, thought leadership is one of those great ways to do that in this situation. If you talk to the people who are hiring you, um, they have a set of pain points right now or silver lining sort of opportunities, even in a tough environment, they're trying to understand, they're trying to understand what to do about them, um, how to maximize their opportunity within them. And so if you as a vendor can help them understand on the basis of thought leadership, look, we, we understand what you're facing and we can provide some value in terms of helping you understand what to do about it. Uh, that's where you can really stand apart, especially if you're in that category of vendor who might not be absolutely mission critical. Um, that's a way to keep your foot in the door. We're seeing that there's a lot of opportunities in the metaverse to create and share thought leadership with key folks. What's your take? Are there any implications from some of the data that you saw that might be a motivator for clients to sort of get engaged in the metaverse? In most cases, B2B brands are a bit lagging, uh, some others in their metaverse strategy, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to figure that out. And we do see applications in terms of in a world where face-to-face -face meetings, we're getting back to that with conferences having come back online in the past year and being able to get out and see customers face-to-face, -face. but there's still a bit of the impact of that learning that happened during COVID, which is a lot of the other non-face-to-face -face channels can't achieve near or at parity in terms of ROI with some of those face-to-face -face scenarios. You know, my understanding and some of the limited space that we've played in with the metaverse is it does provide that sort of synthesis of what a face-to-face -face, uh, environment can provide along with, you know, the ability to just do it remotely. So, you know, engagements can just be a little easier in terms of breakout sessions in terms of some of the things that have always been a little bit of a struggle with things like webinars, uh, putting them into the metaverse uh, really seems to break through some of that. I still think that it's going to you know, be a scenario where the hardware side of things is still being figured out, obviously. Uh, and you haven't seen huge uptake among companies, but among those that have uh, dipped their toe in the water, it seems like something that's promising. Yeah, we're actually seeing from a survey, we did a 327% increase in metaverse projects by brands. That's what they're reporting to us in 2023 from yeah, 2022. Wow. So that could be interesting. What were some other key findings that sort of jumped out at you from the report and really appreciate you sharing this great information? One thing we always try to emphasize is that quality matters. So People, again, expect thought leadership to come from vendors. They prefer that uh, compared to product pitches or, you know, other salesy materials, we say it. But what we've consistently seen is if your thought leadership is bad, that can actually damage your brand or mm. uh, how often you might make the short list or otherwise just the general sense of that uh, B2B buyer about whether your company is really, you know, the sharpest possible option. Um, good mm -hmm. thought leadership, on the other hand consistently has demonstrated an ability to uh, help make sure that you're shaping your perception among those buyers to be up to date and positive, uh, help ensure that you get the RFPs they put out, help ensure that you make the second round. It just builds that trust and that impression 
that is a door opener or a beachhead, if you want to think about it that way, toward those commercial situations when it's make or break. Yeah, and I would think good thought leadership can often rely on data, which is the consistent approach that Edelman has taken in its multiple studies. You're bringing top quality information to your prospects and potential buyers, as well as reinforcing existing relationships with that content. Absolutely. And, you know, data comes in a lot of forms, I think is the upshot. A lot of times you may have proprietary data within your organization and sort of like the classic example of ADP with uh, employment numbers that they're able Mm -hmm. to project that before official numbers come out. But, you know, you don't necessarily have to put out a big quant survey every time or uh, otherwise invest in a ton of research that's really, you know, highly expensive and hard to make. Uh, Things like in-depth interviews with buyers can yield a lot of uh, verbatims and other just up to the minute sense of like, what are the pressures they feel? What are the things they're trying to solve for? And if you can key on that, one that helps you just develop a series of insights that should be the basis for any thought leadership. So what do my buyers really worry about right now? Uh, but it also provides some material that goes into the content itself. You know, you can sort of get that peer to peer trust value by showcasing what people are talking about within their industry in the moment, if that makes sense. With the possibility of a recession, I know in the past, some companies think, oh, let's cut back our communications. Let's cut back our PR when I would tend to think to keep going, you really need to almost try and maintain that spending if you're able to. It may be an easy cut to make, but it's sort of a painful cut to your short and longer term success. How as communicators, do we work around that to make sure our clients keep their eye on the ball and getting their message out, which can be even more important in a tougher sales marketplace. Yeah. I mean, you know, our CEO, Richard Elman talks about in these situations being ready to spring from the crouch. And even though you're in a tough situation or economy, sort of mapping to where you need to go once things start to thaw. And, uh, you know, again, I'd emphasize a few things, uh, being nimble, right? So um, if you're doing thought leadership and the budget's under pressure where you're not going to be able to bring together Uh, you know, a big budget to put out quantitative research, then maybe thinking about some things like uh, qualitative research and that more nimble way to get the insights that you can put into the market. Making the case for marketing persisting through environments like this, you've got to think about things like, um, you know, brand perceptions. Uh, Again, are you in the consideration set? And everything about these situations tells us that if you're not maintaining that relevance with your prospective buyer base, then you're really putting yourself at risk when things do start to lighten up because you're just not going to be thought of in the same way or as frequently as your competitors who are keeping the lights on with sales and marketing and uh, communications efforts. Yeah, well, anyone in the B2B space, and that speaks clearly to public relations agencies and many of the brands that we all work with, really important information. Thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.